0: Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet.
1: And in some species, not necessarily the California sea lion, but some species of sea lions have their ma- have like a little bit of a mane. And so oh, okay.
0: what can they teach us? The El Niño off the coast of California is a really warm ocean and the fish were driven away because they're used to the cooler waters here and so the seals were all the especially all the young juveniles that don't go very far were all starving many species are in crisis and need your help join the movement at allcreaturespod.com welcome to all creatures podcast this is chris
1: and i'm angie
0: all right so last week we said deep breath take another deep breath And relax. We got this one after corals.
1: Yes. (laughs) We have this this one after the corals. I was understanding everything I was reading this (laughs) this past (laughs) week. So it was was relatable. uh, So that was very, very helpful. And yeah, it'll be definitely a fun one. And Chris and I are back a little bit more in our comfort zone. uh, Talking about a beloved marine mammal today.
0: Oh, this one's huge. California sea lions. I have seen... A ton of them grown up in my home state of California, even recently this year. So
1: Yeah, Chris, this has to be a really special and fun episode for you in your comfort zone talking about a species that's pretty much in your backyard or your back Mm -hmm. ocean yard, if Mm -hmm, you will. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, and they're just stinking cute. Oh my goodness. I had so much fun watching videos and looking at pictures and just really just uh, seals in general, seals, sea lions, the whole pinniped family is, they're just fun. They're adored. Yeah. And if you're not as familiar with this California sea lion, you'll fall in love. Trust us, it's
0: awesome. They are, they are. I mean, I just uh, I smile, I smile. When I know, i know.
1: We're both so cheesy right now. I know, but I also, I, know, I also I have, I have a picture of one on my on my desktop. So there's that. As well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're they're just. I mean, I you know, I last saw them uh, in La Jolla. You know, down in San Diego, La Jolla Shores. You can sit there and watch them and watch the young ones. You know, come up and and sunbathe
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: just pip and i were there for hours just watching them just a fun species you're going to learn a lot about these particular sea lions and then the other sea lions mm-hmm. and then angie this is actually the fourth pinniped we've covered <laughs> can you name <laughs> I... the other three can you?
1: um okay uh definitely elephant seal because i will mm-hmm. say looking at photos and watching videos of california sea lions in order to describe them, I was struck by how small they are compared to yeah. the, el- the elephant seal. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Hawaiian monk seal we covered not too too long ago, yeah, which is endangered. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see when I was out in Hawaii, but definitely on my bucket list. But you mm-hmm. said there's how many of them? W- w- Three. Another? All right,
0: and then the other one, I'll, I'll do some charades for you. Okay. So you have to okay. look at look, All right. a smile, a cheesy grin. What is it okay? I- too long, T.
1: <laughs> the walrus. Good one. Yes yes, yes, I, yes, yes, This week, Chris, that was an amazing clue. I'll, I'll pick you for my charades partner anytime, buddy.
0: <laughs> I forgot the last one I messed up on, but yeah, that one was good. Oh, the moose. I was trying to do the moose. Oh, the yeah.
1: You led me far astray. You're down, <laughs> okay. way down the wrong path, the last charades yeah. game we played. But yeah. Oh, mm. walrus. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, Chris, even though we've talked about many other pinnipeds so far on this podcast, there's a really big difference between sea lions and... And mm. seals. Right. So right. Yeah. we'll definitely talk about that today. And if you stick with us, uh, you'll learn why they're called sea lions. So, yeah, no, yeah it's interesting. We'll answer yeah, all your you burning questions.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and this, you know, we do have an uh, amazing interview coming up with Dr. Hendrick Nolans. He's a wildlife veterinarian at the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, which is just down the street from my hometown of Michio Viejo. And in Laguna Beach. And I've driven by it a few times. And I, I the last time I went by in February, I was like, okay, I'm going to go there next month. You know, especially spring and, you know, when the babies are coming. And then maybe I can, you know, donate and then be able to go and watch a release. Well, we all know that COVID changed that. So I've not been able to go yet. But once everything kind of opens back up, pandemic subsides, I hope to go uh, the next time I'm in Laguna Beach, but amazing interview talks a lot about sea lions, the health of sea lions, you know, that the work that they're doing and the research that they're doing. So, and ocean health. So look for that. And then Angie, you know, I have to thank Brett R for joining us this week on Patreon. Amazing donors. So thank you, Brett. You know, uh, look for our after shows on there. We did a coral one last week. We're going to keep pushing that content out. And then uh, actually this week, I have to put up the organization of the month so we can send some money to help support wildlife. So check us out on Patreon. And Angie, I know we've got to talk about Plastic Free July and the impact that we've had this month.
1: Oh, yes, Chris. I have awesome news to report that it was another successful Plastic Free July for our All Creatures podcast team. And when I mean successful, I mean really successful. Uh, We had over 32 team members which isn't that high of team members compared to some of the larger organizations that participate in Plastic Free July. But yeah, we kicked butt. And so out of the over 380-some teams that participated, our All Creatures Podcast team uh, came came in ranked 21st. Wow. Wow. And we were like a hundred points shy of uh, beating Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens. So, and they, and they, oh, was and, close. And, and that was a team with like sixty some people. And yeah. for, and anybody who's been playing along or knows me, that I really, really, really wanted to at least beat or compete with my husband's team, Santa <laughs> Fe College Teaching Zoo, yeah. but they had over a hundred team members, and they yeah. actually came in. Let's see here. A seventh place. Okay, so okay. I actually have to give them a big shout out because they have been doing an amazing work too. And it's a lot of students, a lot of young right. people that participate. And I mean, that's going to be the generation that saves us from ourselves. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great fun. I know I learned a lot. I actually spent a lot of time learning about uh, environmental justice and what that mm-hmm. concept is and how uh, it. The environment impacts different people differently, and how we need to regulate that better and uh, but then I also reduced my plastic consumption and picked up a lot of trash. I said no to straws and to plastic bags. I always mm-hmm. say uh, when they offer me a plastic bag, I always say, "No thanks, save a sea turtle when I'm yes. in Florida, and people yeah. like that like I think it's like catchy. But I was in Michigan participating in Plastic Free July this time, and so there are no sea turtles yeah. in Lake Michigan. So yeah. I said, "Save a sturgeon," because that's one of the fishes that we have in, <laughs> in the Great Lakes. So you got to okay. make it. You got to make people laugh and like pay attention, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was awesome. And, and I want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to um, a couple of our top team players for all their interactions, all their amazing suggestions on how to reduce plastic and cook a zero waste meal and just be an amazing earth steward. And so our dear friend, uh, Alison,
0: Allison, yeah.
1: she is always an amazing uh, ray of light and energy and has a lot of good suggestions and works her buns off to help protect the environment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so thank you, Allison. Olivia Olivia was amazing. She placed really high on our team individually. She did. <laughs> yes. And was super interactive and shared a lot yeah. of pictures, which is fun yeah. on our on our private team dashboard. Yeah. And of course, our good friend Chantel from Australia. Yeah. Down she and yep. I think this was her first year participating and she kicked butt and also had yep. a lot of good suggestions and interactions. Um and then Tammy came in fifth yeah. on our team yeah. dashboard. So big thank you to Tammy as well for all of her participation. And so thank you to the top five.
0: Yeah. You can keep going. You can keep oh, going. You oh. oh, yeah. Who's six? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Chris. Okay, okay. Chris okay. came
1: in sixth. Chris yeah. Came yeah.
0: In sixth. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Angie, I have to give a big shout out to Angie who placed first, like just dominated, very interactive. Well, the Even team p-
1: captain gets points just, I think, for being the team captain.
0: But yeah, but then you came in and you're like, oh, I'm going to be gone for two days. I need you to go and interact with people. And <laughs> so I went and posted and, and uh, anyways, it was great. And then you yeah, have people like Aaron, Maggie, Lauren, Megan, Kelly, Alexandra, Melanie, going down the list, Cecilia, Megan again. Thank you for participating. You know, there's thousands of you out there next year. Sign up, help us, you know, a few, pick up some bags of trash. That's what I did. You know, said no to straws, bought a new reusable water bottle, you know. Yeah, well, and I was really Change impre- your daily habits.
1: Yeah, Chris. And I was really excited with the platform this year. Each year, it's getting bigger, this challenge, and it's growing. And so their platform, there were so many educational resources on there. Like if you clicked on something, like when I wanted to learn about environmental justice, they had all these resources out there. And I I went and found some of my own as well. But it's really, it's a great learning tool. And I know you and I are obviously really big educators and anybody Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. listens to this podcast. Likes learning as well, and so I think the um, the platform does a great job at that, as far as helping helping you learn and get a little out of your comfort zone. Like maybe I do want to make my own toothpaste, and so many resources on there for somebody if they want to, let's say, cook a zero waste meal, or give their dogs uh, non plastic chew toys, and what you know, mm-hmm. what are some options out there? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was a lot, and it was just a lot of fun, and it feels good, especially in these kind of uncertain, unprecedented. Times of just yeah. not a lot of good news going back and forth, yeah. regardless of which country you live in, uh, yeah. especially here yeah. in the States, I know. And so it, yeah. it it feels like collectively we made a big difference, uh, where yeah. sometimes individually you can feel a little bit like, what's the point? But collectively, yeah. we did great. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that participated in uh, All Creatures podcast, Plastic Free July. And next year, hopefully we'll have even more.
0: Yeah, I mean, things like... 152 plastic straws not sent to the landfill. 327 plastic containers not sent to the landfill. Four petitions signed. 26 disposable cups not sent to the landfill. I think those are most of mine. Uh, (laughs) 325 pieces of litter picked up. I know I did like 50 pieces of litter on my own. Cutlery, just... All the things, and that that's we just did. our uh,
1: team, right, and so yeah
0: that was just our team they'll yeah.
1: have uh, they'll have the overall impact posted soon for all yeah. the teams collectively, teams. and it's yeah. like it's like super impressive,
0: yeah, well, and it's it's critical, and that's why we focused on aquatic life in July, and I think next year we'll do it again, you know there there's some some a lot more in the ocean that we want to cover. we will in between, but next July will be definitely dedicated to just aquatic species. And, you know, talking to Hendrik about plastics in the oceans, I mean, it is a huge issue. I'm going to dive into it a little bit more here in a minute. But Angie, just talking about sea lions, like you mentioned, they're not quite as big as the elephant seal. <laughs> it's no, enormous. No, I no. Mean, and that's why I was enormous. like, oh, it's so
1: cute and little. Look at its little ears and its whiskers.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. yeah, no, definitely, definitely not as big as an elephant seal.
0: Well, yeah, Angie, the ones I saw in La Jolla were some females and then the juveniles, right? The the Mm -hmm. juvies that were, that were weaned off mom. So they were, they were much smaller. And then I have seen males a couple of times out in the ocean, uh, you know, especially, (laughs) okay. Funniest, uh, I don't know, it's a story time, but the funniest uh, fishing story I have, or not the funniest, but one of the scariest was I was off uh, Oceanside fishing, deep sea fishing uh, a while back. I was back in high school, growing up in San Diego. And on, when you go on a fishing boat off the ocean, you can put in for who catches the biggest fish. You put in like five bucks or 10 bucks. And then if you get the biggest fish of the day, you get the pot. Or we did it with all my buddies. So anyways, one of my buddies has this huge fish enormous fish on like his pole is almost breaking just <laughs> fighting this thing for for 10 15 20 minutes and then as he's reeling it in reeling it in getting close like it was a big barracuda as it gets close to the boat this huge dark shadow comes under the boat and chomp and i was i, I jumped back i thought it was a shark i was like i sure. thought it was a huge shark and the next thing you know this this big male pops up and he's like oh you know, that's, and my friend pulls out this massive head of a fish
1: yeah, that
0: yeah. didn't qualify for the big no. fish of the day. So, oh my so goodness. The, the males, they're a little bit bigger. They get up to, to eight and a half feet, two and a half meters, they can weigh up to eleven hundred pounds or five hundred kilograms. I mean, that's not small.
1: No, it's not small. Yeah, and I think like yeah. when I most of the photos or when I'm thinking of small, it is more the females, because there's a lot of sexual dimorphism between them as far as mm-hmm. size and a little bit of their uh, external features go. Because, yeah, female is, what, three times smaller, yeah, more or less? a six
0: and a half feet. She weighs 250 pounds, maybe, yeah, on kilograms. On a weight basis, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's tiny. Yeah, it's, it's just they're tiny.
1: But they're just so cute in general, and their colors can range from chocolate brown in males uh, so, they're a little darker and bigger to a more golden or lighter brown in females. And for the males, too, they are mostly dark brown and then they have that lighter, a lighter mm. shading brown uh, on their underside or on their belly. And in general, sea lions as a species are more slender built than other seals. Uh, but the males, the adult males, definitely have a robust, like, Chest, shoulders, and neck, and the males too. Once they reach puberty, are known for this crest or almost like a high domed forehead
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that gives them a you know really distinguished feature. And in some species, not necessarily the California sea lion, but some species of sea lions have their ma- have like a little bit of a mane, and so okay. that's one of the hints oh. of why they're called sea lions. But there's lions, other reasons yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're just – and then, you know, they just have – everybody can picture a seal face. It looks like a little golden retriever or Labrador retriever, just the cutest muzzle
0: ever and brown eyes that are so kind. I mean, they look like dogs. That's why I think we just fall in love with them, like dogs of the sea. They're just oh, – they're the cutest things. They're so cute. I think that's why it's a fan favorite. I really do. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the California sea lion – we're going to talk about some of the other sea lion species, but the California sea lion obviously is off the, the coast of California, but it's pretty much, you know, all of the west coast of the US, sure. up into Canada, mm-hmm. you know, almost to South Alaska, and then down all the way down, you know, Mexico, you know, not quite tropical, but, you know, halfway down the the, the country of Mexico, they range. So they're in the Gulf of California. And then off the Pacific Ocean. So uh, pretty big range, I mean, for them.
1: And Chris, within this pretty big range off the Pacific Coast, uh, California sea lions will seasonally migrate. Long distances, so they might move up and down the coast, especially males, uh, for breeding season and things like that. So they're not, you know, stagnant to just La Jolla be- Beach, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. the males. And so, and that's why they probably have such a robust uh, range in North America.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's interesting when I you know looked at the other species of sea lions. So going up into Alaska. Over to Russia through the Bering Straits, there's actually the Stellars sea lion, Mm -hmm. which is pretty northern. I mean, pretty up there, Mm -hmm. you know, way up there in the north. And then coming down, you know, the east side of Asia, you have the Japanese sea lion. Now, going south of the California sea lion, there is also the Galapagos sea lion. Mm -hmm. Then you have the South American sea lion. And we got to go all the way across the Pacific and our good old friends down in Australia and New Zealand. There's the New Zealand sea lion and then the Australian sea lion. So Yay. there's your six species.
1: Awesome. <laughs> so, well, and Chris, I know we've covered this before a little bit, uh, talking definitely about elephant seals, and I can't really remember uh, if we talked about it in uh, walrus or not. But so what is the difference between seals and sea lions? Because they look a lot right, like. Right.
0: Be- we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we covered a little bit. So. And I know you you were uh, uh, correcting me on some things about it because the, the the seal, so the elephant seal, the monk seal, are true seals and they don't have the ear flaps. So then you get the eared seals, which are the sea lions and fur seals that have flaps on their ears. So which, like little cute little dog. I was like I was hanging. just gonna interrupt yeah. you, which are. Yeah. S- yeah.
1: Stinking ridiculously cute, like that's, yes, yes. That's what's on my computer right now. Though. Oh my gosh!
0: Right, right. They're super cute. So they have the flapped ears where true seals don't and walruses don't. And then I remember mm. you correcting me like, no, they can still hear. And I was like, no, I'm not saying they don't have ears. I meant they meant the ear flap. Right is w- what they don't have. So that's the major difference with them. And then obviously evolution. Yeah, and so we'll talk about, we'll talk a, little about a little bit
1: too when we get to behavior movement because there are some differences with their front flippers and their hind mm-hmm. flippers and then and how they move in general, especially on land. Their seals and sea lions in general in water are super graceful, agile, mm-hmm. able to jump up and snatch oh, fish, yeah. as you mentioned, and then mm-hmm. laugh at you uh, for the
0: most part. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, 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 yep.
1: But on land, they definitely move a little bit differently, the true seals versus the sea lions.
0: Oh, God, there's that that Planet Earth sequence. I think it was Planet Earth 2, where the the group of orcas is chasing a crab eater seal that's hugging a tiny little iceberg. And it just keeps circling, and, and they can't get it. And they can't get it. They eventually give up. I mean, this thing is so exhausted, but it keeps going for survival. And the orcas have to just give up and move on. They're like, oh, you're too difficult to catch. We'll catch something easier. So, yeah, they're very graceful. They're very... Uh, Very adapted avoiding predators. So, so those are the six. We'll talk a little bit more about them uh, here in a minute when we get to evolution. But Angie, I mean, why care about seals? Besides, they're super cute. I mean, (laughs) another predator in the ocean, right? That just keeps other things in check.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I think that they're. A predator in the ocean and they prey on large species of fish and octopus. We'll talk more about their nutrition. But then as sad as it is, they are also dinner for some of the even larger uh, marine mammals such as orcas and as you mentioned, and, and then sharks. So when you take out a top predator, not necessarily an apex predator, but a top predator out of the food chain, it's just not a good thing, right? As far as mm-hmm. overabundance of larger fish that then kill off smaller fish and well those smaller fish feed on this and then there's going to be an overabundance of starfish and just so and besides their role in the ecosystem and the in the food chain or food web. I always it's much more of a web than a chain. Web, chain yeah. is definitely yeah. too simple, too simple. But they're also important environmental alert systems. Uh, as far as helping tell us humans what the dangers are that they're facing in the ocean. And so, for instance, the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, which that interview that you did will be dropping soon, and is awesome. Uh, they will rescue injured sea lions. And They'll figure out, okay, we you know, was it pollution? Was it overfishing? Was it global warming? Is it trash in the ocean? Like why is this seal? Why is the sea lion injured? And what does this mean? Is there a lot of them? Is there not that many of them? What's happening to the pups? So they're really important indicators of overall ocean health.
0: Oh, yeah. Huge.
1: And because, going back to their cuteness, because they're so darn cute and so darn popular off the coast of California, and then, of course, in several zoo and aquaria throughout the world, sea lions are a great ambassador of why to protect the oceans, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to Mm -hmm. see a sea lion with a piece of trash around, a tire around its neck that it can't get off, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. having pesticide poisoning. So they're just really charming ambassadors for not only sea lions in general, the species of sea lions, but for their cousins, the seals.
0: Yeah, no. And you, you know, you're saying Dr. Nolan's, I know he mentions it in the interview, but he does talk about an event. I think it was 2015 when the El Nino off the coast of California, so really warm ocean and the fish were driven away because they're used to the cooler waters here. And so the seals were all, especially all the young juveniles that don't go very far were all starving. It was, a, it was a horrific year. So talk about ocean health. You know, there you go. There's something about it. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they're critical indicators. Now, this week, yeah, when I talked about the oceanic environment and kind of wrapping up Plastic Free July, we have talked about a few times the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in the, in, in the Pacific, which is between Hawaii and the continental U.S., mainly California, North Cal- Northern California. And the the size is estimated to be about the size of Mexico, this just patch of garbage floating. It's just a sea of garbage, and it's all mostly all plastic. Now, we've talked about that. And yeah, there's people out there trying to clean it up. But when you have something the size of a huge country like Mexico floating in the ocean, I mean, it's been very difficult. But what I wanted to talk more about was the microplastics. because well, I was going to say there's some, yeah, concern. there's
1: somewhat of a misnomer that's like all milk jugs and large plastic parts from toys or whatever it is. But mm. that's a little bit of a misnomer because a lot of it's plastic that you can't even see, right? Because they're so small. Right.
0: Yeah, as it breaks down. I mean, that's part of it. I'm going to talk about the two types. But yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not just a milk jug. You know, it's balloons, it's straws, it's all of these things that are getting washed out into the ocean. I mean, go to your local beach. In California, I did it a year ago, right? I went and just cleaned up on my own just to see what was there. I, I walked half a mile and, and it they just had a big beach cleanup. So it was after one weekend and I had a bag full of trash, you know?
1: Oh yeah, Chris. I'm blessed going to Lake Michigan Be- beach. We go to several different ones because I know all the cool spots yeah. uh, that are away from a lot of the tourists. And I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's quite sad, honestly, because because in my opinion, part of the one of the luring things about uh, the coast of Michigan, and besides that, the beaches for those people aren't familiar with the Great Lakes, the beaches are like the ocean. There are huge waves. Uh, people surf or kite board and do all these cool things. But there's a lot of more nat- nature. Nat, It's not quite as built up. So there's a lot of trees. And so you, you feel like you're in this forest on this beach in a lot of different locations, especially at the state parks and things like that. But there's still stinking trash. Not everywhere. It's not the worst beaches I've been to, but enough where it makes me sad. And I pick it yeah. up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes you. Yeah, it makes me want to uh, go out and clean more. Now, this this is even more disturbing. Is there was a recent news report the Mariana Trench, mm-hmm. the deepest point in the ocean. It's mm-hmm. nearly eleven kilometers down. so that's four or five miles? And they actually have reports of plastic bags now being found all along the trench, like shopping bags and things. So plastic cups. The deepest part of the ocean can't even escape it. So, so these microplastics, you know, are as Angie said, are, are the big concern. Now, these are defined as plastic particles smaller than five millimeters, and there's two types. There's the primary microplastics. And Angie and I've talked about this in a little bit before too. As far as microfibers from synthetic clothing, yeah,
1: clothing, right? Who th- I, I, I thought it was all like cotton and wool, yeah. but it's not anymore.
0: Yeah, it's these synthetic fibers now are permeating. Uh, you know, you wash your clothes, they get washed into, you know, downstream or wherever it goes out into the oceans. Uh, pellets for industrial products, exfoliants in personal care products. Those were big. I think those are getting more out of fashion, but I don't yeah, know if I know. Still like with the, uh,
1: my friends and myself, it's it's yeah. known in the community that you don't want to buy those exfoliating beads. You just get like a right. little scrubber brush, brush, and that's yeah. good enough to to get all of the
0: the pores that's clean skin, and the wrinkles
1: yeah. minimized.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Straight from Angie's mouth. Then there's the secondaries. These are the big ones that are breaking down. So like you said, the balloons, the, mm-hmm. the bottles, those things. Most microplastics are secondary from degrading plastics not just the small ones. Now, I did look up a couple studies, Marine Pollution Bulletin scientific journal in 2019. It was environmental implications of microplastic pollution in the northwestern Pacific Ocean and, you know, they're finding these microplastics in beach sediments, mangrove sediments, the ocean surface, uh, deep marine sediments, and in this study they were just went out and did a survey to see how prevalent they were. They found that in the 1970s where there was like sixty percent of plastic debris in these survey sites, now all hundred percent of them all had plastics and microplastics in it Ugh. And microplastics in two years it was six times more dense in the surveyed areas, so it's getting worse. Now, certain places on Earth, microplastics are more dense. So like the northern Mediterranean is more dense with microplastics than the northern Pacific, which makes sense. I mean, the Mediterranean Sea, it's more enclosed, mm-hmm. you know, Smaller. denser population, mm-hmm. yeah, than the northern Pacific, so like that. So, and it's also higher near these great garbage patches, you know, the, the density of, of microplastics. Now, the reason this is such a concern I have another study I'll link. It's called Microplastics in Our Oceans and Marine Health. One of the things is, Angie, last week we we, we kind of missed it, talking about corals. Corals mistake microplastics as plankton or zooplankton, and they eat it. Sure. think yeah, it's they, horrible. And it kills them. It kills them, and they can't eat, and they can't survive. We missed that last week, but there you go. That's, what, that's another pressure corals are under. Uh, these microplastic sea urchins, lobsters, fish, they all eat these little beads of plastic thinking it's food, gets in their system. And then a shark or larger fish comes around or a whale comes around. You know, even our other whales eat it. Bluefin tuna, some of these other things that we eat eat it.
1: Well, yeah, Chris, I think that's a big thing, especially for any naysayers out there. They're like, oh, who cares about plastics in the ocean? Well, mm-hmm. if you eat seafood, if you like your fish sandwich, yeah. like you, you're going to be eating that. And I mean, how about uh, shrimp? Yeah, shrimp.
0: Yeah. Like, how many people actually devein their shrimp? Not all the time, right? Right. Well, and no, even, I, yeah, yeah, it probably gets <laughs> into the tissue plastics. anyways. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really it's it's really all connected. And yes. And 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 if you don't eat seafood. There's a large population out there of people that depend on seafood for a large, large amount of their protein content, especially in underdeveloped countries, and a large portion of people that depend on their livelihood by fishing and feeding Mm -hmm. these communities. And so it's just, the oceans are critical and they're in crisis and... I think that uh we need to turn our attention m- even more so, so vote with your dollar uh we are entering voting season in a lot of places here in North America. Pick mm-hmm. candidates for local governments uh obviously nationally statewide mm-hmm. to support your waterways and support the support clean green movements and uh want to be environmentally friendly stewards. I don't care if they're red, blue, purple, what color or what team they're on, yeah. uh, as long as they are fighting for the oceans, especially especially at the local level, right? Because I think that those are the people that are being impacted. I know in Florida, when we have problems with the algae bloom that then shut down the individual yeah. shops and restaurants along yeah. the beach. And so mm-hmm. uh, we need to keep that local area we need to keep our streams and waterways in Florida as healthy as possible. And and it's much more likely that the local government's going to care about those issues than like the national government.
0: Right? Yeah. 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 No, no. We got we to protect our waterways. And, you know, these microplastics are a major concern. So we all need to do our part. We're going to do it. We're going to change these things. If plastics are single-use plastics are going away quickly. So we do things like plastic-free July, then we do plastic-free year. We all work hard, and, and we will definitely make an impact.
1: And yeah, Chris, and there's definitely positive, hopeful signs out there. Even some of the bigger companies that put water in soda or pop, depending on where you're from. I'm from Michigan, so we call it pop. In mm-hmm. uh, plastic bottles, they are starting to use more aluminum because they know there's mm-hmm. a plastic problem. But something we talked a little bit too on some of the dashboards in Plastic Free July conversations I had with people was about recycling. Because recycling is, is key. It's very helpful. Do it mm-hmm. if you're not doing it. But unfortunately in the United States right now, and I'm not sure what it's like in uh, Europe and or Australia or other countries, but right now in the United States, as much as we recycle – only one-third of it is actually getting recycled.
0: Yeah, reused. Yeah. Is
1: getting melted down and reused because right. there's not enough demand for recycled plastics. It's cheaper for water bottle companies or soda bottle companies to buy new plastic mm-hmm. and make that bottle than it is for them to buy recycled plastic. And you know, big right. companies are always going to go for what's cheap, right? Oh, yeah, they always do. So always- the consumer needs to demand... If I am going to buy that product, I want it either in recycled plastic, or I want it in aluminum, or something else, and or glass, uh, because right now, unfortunately, in the states, we're shipping two thirds of our recyclable material. I don't, I think over, and it was China, but China it won't was take Asia, it. Yeah. yeah, well, China won't it take was it Vietnam. anymore, and yeah, now it I think Vietnam, it's Vietnam, and they don't really know where it goes from there. So, uh, in your own country, you need to work towards creating a demand for reused, recycled plastic, uh, along with uh, reducing the cons- your own personal consumption, of course, too. Vote with your dollar. That's all those big companies care about.
0: Yep, and that's your uh conservation tips of the week. So, <laughs> Sorry. it's a nice I know prep. I got on my no, no, a little all bit good. there. No, it's uh, really yeah. good. It's it, it's all timely. I mean, it, that's what it happens wraps up when, the month.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when Angie comes off of month of plastic free July and
0: learning. No, we so. need, it, and I'm glad it's up front. I'm glad it's up front in the podcast. So, those listening, you know, that that don't tend to make it maybe to the end or that they you know they're into the drive they're not paying attention quite as much attention so well anyways
1: what species are we talking (laughs) about again here (laughs) art
0: art all right we're gonna get there with the uh the sea lion off um pinniped evolution we we've covered it a few times i mean the myocids always goes back to the first carnivores and then pinnipeds are actually related to do you remember oh it's always confusing because the hippos you know with it's cetaceans, pinnipeds, which, who are the pinnipeds related to? Do you remember?
1: Well, I just, I don't, well, Chris, I just keep it real simple in my brain. I just know <laughs> that somehow down the line, they're related to horses and that's okay. all I care about. <laughs> okay. But why that's don't like you, why mammal. don't you do that? Uh, that's why I let you do the no, science remember, part of the evolution. The
0: pinnipeds, because it's so exciting. Cause like hippos were related to cetaceans mm-hmm. and then pinnipeds are related to Uridae. Mm-hmm. Bears. And mustelids. Mm-hmm. Mustelids, our favorite, our favorite. So, but
1: somewhere down the line, they're related to horses.
0: We all go back to common ancestor 120 million okay. years ago. We're you know <laughs> There you go, mammals. Okay. Now, seals and sea lions trace back to at least 23 million years ago, the dawn of the Miocene. Now, the debate in science was seals were different from sea lions. They evolved kind of parallel to each other. But I think they it's pretty much been debunked that they all have come from a common ancestor and then split out from there. Now, they did find the missing link. And this is what made me excited because it's called Pujula. Uh No, not Lay. It's Pujala, And it's actually like one of the very first crossovers from land to sea. So it cool. kind of looks like an... Yeah, they found it in Devon Island in Canada. About 20 million years ago. So it looked like an otter, but it was like a walking seal. Fuck. So it wasn't quite. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. Yeah. So, you know, the, then it started evolving to become more in the water. There was Enel which had flippers. That is what they think was the common ancestor to seals and sea lions. Okay. And that was about 13 to 20 million years ago where they broke off. Now, like we opened with the podcast, Pinnipediae, the Pinnipeds, the elephant seals are the family of phocidae, the true seals. It's where the monk seals are. The family of Dominidae is the walrus, their own family. And then the family of Otoridae is the sea lions and fur seals. Now, Angie, with it, Within the family of otariidae, mm-hmm. there's about seven different f- first seal species and then six of our sea lion species. Okay. So they all make up that family of eared seals. Now, what's interesting is within this family of, of sea lions, the Japanese and Galapagos sea lions were once thought to be subspecies of the California sea lion. Oh, interesting. All part of, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. All part of the genus Zalophus. So they all thought they were subspecies together. But as we know, DNA has changed all that. Mm-hmm. They all are their own species. Now, this is the sad story with sea lions. And I want to play my, I wish I had played some sad music because this 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 is upsetting. But it, it did happen. The Japanese sea lion is extinct. And it's been extinct since the 1970s. It lived off Japan and Korea. But it was harvested, especially in the early 1900s, to near extinction. You know, they were, there was just a few hundred left by 1915, and then a few dozen by the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And then they barely hung on where until the 1970s, the last one, juvenile was caught and killed. And then they'd never saw, saw him again. So of the six species of sea lion, the Japanese sea lion is extinct. So yay, humans.
1: Well, yeah. uh, I know. Uh, yeah, Chris, it's so sad, especially like... In your lifetime, not quite my lifetime, but uh, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah. but no, but really, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, hopeful, the hope is that we don't repeat those same mistakes and that we can learn, and we have. I, we'll talk when we get to conservation about the California sea lion. There's a lot of great news, uh, and, great. A lot, and there's the Marine Mammal Act that's been put in place to protect them. And so uh, it doesn't mean they're totally out of the woods, but in general, if we can take these instances where through overhunting and just exploitation the extinction has happened. If we can, in our lifetime now that everybody listening to this podcast is telling all their friends and voting with their dollar mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. voting for environmentally friendly uh, politicians or your, maybe yourself getting involved in politics, because that's part of the problem is a lot of us scientists and animal lo- lovers and conservationists, we were like, oh, we don't want to do politics. Yuck. No, uh, no. But, the, but that's, then there's not enough of um, us out there Actually, mm-hmm. than doing the political side, but at any rate, the hope is that we learn from that and we don't repeat those same mistakes. Right,
0: right, right, right. And um, well, really quickly, the California sea lion is Elif- Zelophus californus. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's their scientific name. To continue with my violin story, I want to tell the story of a huge oceanic mammal, which I think we might have mentioned this of. About 100 pods, 150 pods ago, some at some point. This one lived in the northern Pacific for hundreds of thousands of years, and it was the it was located off the Commander Islands near the Bering Sea off Russia. Went extinct in 1768. Hmm. But I don't even know if you've ever heard of this thing. Okay, so. I don't even know where to begin. It's it, <laughs> it's, it's relative. It's big. It Okay. It was over 10 tons. Oh my 20, gosh. pounds. 9,000 kilom- uh, kilometers. 9,000 kilograms was up to 30 feet in length or nine meters. It's called the Stellar's blank blank. Sea lion. Close. Stellar's sea blank. <laughs> the sea Mammoth. Lion's still alive. Elephant, close, close. Wait, 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 wait. This is good. This is good. Stellar's sea starts with oh, wait, you said mammoth. No, never mind. I was gonna say moo, cow. (laughs) Yes,
1: I've heard of that. Yes, that's right.
0: Remember, remember, yeah, yeah, the stellar sea cow. It's so unique. I was just because you know, the the largest seal, you know what the largest seal is, right? That's the elephant seal, yeah, the southern elephant seals, yeah, freaking gigantic. So I couldn't find that. I mean, I couldn't say that. So I was like, okay, let me look at some gigantic mammals in the ocean. And I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot about this. So basically, in 1741, they found a population of them off these islands, the Commander Islands. And uh, George Willem Stellar, who also did the Stellar Sea Lion, sure. named him after, after himself. He found them. And then what do you think they, they, they exclusively ate? Well, I'm like,
1: if they're that big, they had to be eating like fish.
0: No, they're cows. cows eat? Oh, like (laughs) seagrass
1: or. uh, Yeah, kelp.
0: Yeah, seaweed.
1: Yeah, Yeah, right on. Wow, though. And they got that big.
0: Yeah, they're huge. They're enormous. And, And then they went extinct because they were hunted for like their whale like blubber, their fur, and their meat. So, ugh.
1: Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast.
0: Now, some of the fun stuff, Angie. We get out of the, the, the sad, uh, you know, humans have killed this species and that species. But, you know, California sea lions are doing well. We're going to talk about. Um, they can live, what, up to 20 in the wild, 15 to 20? Yeah. So, range. well, the, the yeah.
1: oldest recorded in the wild was about 17 years. Uh, but mm-hmm. under human care, uh, the oldest is 31. And okay,
0: that's pretty
1: good. So, in the wild, I guess they can tell age by counting the number of rings on the cross section of the teeth.
0: Yeah, okay. It's tree rings, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, cool. yes,
1: yeah, just like we age uh, horses with teeth, so.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. No, they're amazing. I mean, they're fast swimmers. Like I said, that that boat story it just came to me, remembering that and just zooming under the boat. Uh, they can reach speeds up to 25 miles per hour or 40 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm, uh standard water for up to ten minutes is what I've read. I don't know if you saw yeah, yeah, about ten minutes than that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and they generally yeah, not super long. their general dive for food is about a hundred feet, but they've mm-hmm. been recorded anywhere from nine hundred to a thousand feet that's
0: deep that's, that's deep. really deep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's really deep for them,
1: and they they can go up to nine to ten minutes holding their breath, as you mentioned, but I think the average is like three minutes, which is still mm-hmm. really. Hi. Yeah, I mean
0: yeah.
1: that that wouldn't work for me. That's for sure or you and uh but from a metabolic point of view, one of the ways they do this is by slowing their heart rate, right? So they need less oxygen and they can utilize the oxygen that they do have mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. a dive. So mm-hmm. yeah, just really clever yeah. clever marine mammal physiology.
0: Yeah, they're fun. They're fun to watch too. They're fun to watch to swim mm-hmm now you know some of the i guess we can get some of the behavior too but the you know sea lions are preyed upon by orcas and sharks mm-hmm. so we know that you know it's like the, the great whites off california they're not looking to eat people they're looking to eat seals you sure know, or sea lions mm-hmm. so elephant seals and then also the california sea lions uh, make up a diet off off of those sharks are looking for that, and then also the orca, the southern residents that come down and range off California. I didn't know this, but the pups can be hunted on land by coyotes, you know, feral dogs, and bald eagles. Mm-hmm. But come on, bald eagle, I love you, <laughs> but come on, don't be ta- taking my seal pups. Oh,
1: I watched an amazing video on one of my fa- Facebook like nature groups, or uh, just in all these nature groups, and. Uh, it was a bald eagle swimming to shore with its prey. Like the the fish was so heavy that yeah. it couldn't it couldn't yeah. fly out of the water. Yeah. So it's flapping its wings half underwater, maybe only a third underwater, <laughs> swimming to shore, dragging behind this ginormous fish. I was
0: it's just That's inc- dedication,
1: incredible, seems- incredible. But yes, but it is sad. I mean, so I, I it seems like a sea lion pup would be tough prey for an eagle but maybe not i i don't
0: know yeah the young ones maybe i don't know i don't know but you know and then the sea lions they usually hunt alone or they can't hunt in groups but they like octopus squid mackerel anchovies uh, sardines uh barracuda on a hook you know anything they can catch they're pretty smart too like he didn't get hooked he you knew where exactly where oh, to eat that. Oh, yeah.
1: I have like three slides on their intelligence that for the purpose yeah. of this podcast, <laughs> I'll can cond- <laughs> I'll condense down to one slide. But yeah, no, they they are. They're 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 really smart. And they definitely have been documented doing a group hunting, uh, which I think is really awesome, where several of them can work together to basically push fish into a certain area in order to make it easier for them to catch. So
0: do tell me more. Do tell. Oh, there we go. Perfect, oh, okay. pr- perfect segue into behavior.
1: Well, yeah, Chris, and so that's like working amongst each other, which isn't super surprising, but I think it's always just goes to show a sign of intelligence uh, from a predator's point of view. But then there is also documentation of them sometimes cooperating with other animals to help get the fish, and so they've been documented working with dolphins, porpoises, and seabirds. Oh, wow. okay. uh, on large schools of fish well and some of the things that make them good hunters besides their intelligence is just their overall senses so sea lions they do have a uh, limited color vision in the blue green spectrum okay. and that's probably just because of the marine habits habitats that they live in and they do have pretty acute hearing um So yeah, they've got the ear flaps and they definitely can hear and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they often rely on their, those whiskers I talked about. Another name for that is a vibrace and they are used for touch and detections of vibrations underwater to let them know Mm -hmm, where the prey mm -hmm. is. And Mm -hmm. California sea lions, their vibrace are a little smoother and maybe slightly less sensitive than some of the um seals like the harbor seal for instance but they still really help them perform well when hunting.
0: Well I know earlier Angie because you, you, we were talking about how graceful they are in water but I mean they're they're pretty good on land watching them haul out you know you know maneuver over these rocks and things where an elephant seal is not elegant on <laughs> land at all.
1: No. At all. No, it's Yeah. No, Chris, it's kind of painful to watch elephant seals uh, haul out on land. Yeah, it's it's a big difference between seals and sea lions. So the California sea lion can turn its hind flippers forward and then basically walk on all fours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So it's much mm -hmm. more agile on land, uh, not as much as the water, but it can almost gallop for short distances. And then, in addition to the hind flipper rotation, it also ha- can move its fore flippers in a traverse direction, and so that between that and then also using its ne- head and neck to help it move, kind of like, like a horse. See, there's lots of little mm-hmm, horse references mm-hmm. today. Uh, that it can, yeah, it can it can cruise on land. Of course, not at the same, not at a great speed and only short distances. But yeah, it's fun to watch outside of the water when they haul out. And speaking of the haul-out, they will spend a lot of time on rocky or sandy beaches or man-made wharfs or piers. Uh, And they'll come out definitely during breeding season. Uh, And we'll talk about that when we get to breeding. But they also will come out to molt where they basically shed their fur and are pretty vulnerable to predators. And so until the new fur grows in, they'll just Mm -hmm, hang mm -hmm. hang out on the sandy beaches. And when we're looking at their movement in water, California sea lions are going to move up and down the coast or migrate. Uh, They they can't pant or sweat, so they thermoregulate through basically the water temperature. And so when it's too hot, they want to go into colder waters further north. And in general, males definitely migrate further to feed and go into deeper waters where females will tend to forage and hunt uh, near the breeding grounds. And so they'll stick around a little bit. But they they do search for cool waters when it's hot out because, as you mentioned, with that crisis in 2015 where all those pups perished Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the waters were too hot and there wasn't enough food. So uh, they're they're smart enough to know um, to go – so the adults are going to definitely go into the waters where they can find the food and then also stay cool.
0: And it, the reason I've I spent hours watching them is not for the smell, which is horrible. <laughs> and the ocean's beautiful. There, I know. But all,
1: my, all my seal and sea lion keeper friends are like, yeah, the poo is not one of the best. They're stinky. They yeah. are stinky.
0: But the behavior and the social behavior watching them and seeing them like a pile of, of juveniles just laying on top of each other, and then this is my rock, and ar, 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 you know, it's just, oh, it's amazing. It was oh, amazing.
1: Yeah, Chris, you hit the nail on the yeah. head for sure. California sea lions are one of the most social or gregarious marine mammals out there. And when they do come out for either molting or for breeding purposes or in the rookeries, they can form these really large. Groups or aggregations of hundreds, sometimes even thousands of uh, California sea lions. That, depending on which part they are, and when they're hauled out, they're gonna move around and they're pretty graceful and they're gonna socialize and then they're gonna have little spit spat fights and then they're also gonna rest. So mm-hmm. they are fun. Like if you're doing a behavioral ethogram, uh, there's gonna be a lot of fun interactions. Yes, that's for absolutely, sure. Uh, absolutely. And Chris, even when they're in the ocean, they They'll come together, as we mentioned, to hunt sometimes. It's been documented. But also, they will rest out at sea together and, and float around in what's known as a raft of mm-hmm. sea lions. So I yeah. thought that was cute too. Um, and of course, Chris, as you've demonstrated, when they're social, they can be very, very vocal. And, yes, they, and w- you've been doing the art, 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 uh, but they, <laughs> which is good. And uh, we can have a bark off if you want, which is what the, main, right, the, the, right. the main call is called. And of course the bark is the most famous and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on that here in a second, but they have other calls such as contact calls, uh, almost like grunt sounds, um, growls, high pitch, low pitch. So belch. They can whine, they can make these buzzing noises, even click like noises. So squeals. So it's just just definitely like like I said, doing the ethogram, you're not gonna be bored if you're if you're hanging nope. out at a hauled out site. Uh so here, let me let me play for you really quick just the general sound that Chris and I are trying to achieve. <laughs>
0: All right. That's my submission for the bark off. <laughs> <laughs> that's my submission.
1: Thanks, YouTube. That does not count. Chris. I win.
0: I win. I win. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that for the bark off because my art, art, art is about as good as I can get. So you'll beat that any day of the week.
1: <laughs> well, Chris, you're a good sport, and I think you sound pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But speaking of their vocalizations, something that's really fascinating—I think we touched on a little bit in uh, elephant seals—but it's fascinating to me on a loud, sandy beach where there's lots of interaction, lots of moms and pups. That when a mother goes out and fishes and comes back, she'll be able to recognize her pup out of these crowded hundreds, if not thousands, of moms and pups through smell and through vocalizations. And so she can bark or more specifically a contact call and pick up on her little one's vocalizations and then they can bark back to her. And so between smell and just pinpointing through all that noise and chatter, the specific sound that the little one makes, they find each other.
0: I saw that too. I saw mom coming into the beach Mm -hmm. or coming to the rocks. It's really the rocks La Jolla Cove and, and barked art art, you know, and then one of the little ones like lifted his head and he started barking back and talking about that's why you could sit there for hours and watch them and watched her come up and they like nosed each other. And then they lay down next to each other, you know, and he was already weaned. He didn't try to nurse or anything, but he, at least that was his mom and recognized him. For her, yeah, and it was amazing, it was awesome. Yeah, no, yeah,
1: yeah, it's really, really phenomenal, and that's and that's where, when you think of like intelligence and just social skills, uh, California sea lions blow me out of the water. Uh, I mean, California sea lions are just known for their intelligence and for their playfulness, but it can even be seen more often at accredited zoos and aquariums where there are often sea lion training sessions. And trainers can get the sea lions to do so many things on cue. And a lot of it now in this day and age isn't necessarily for like shows and things like that. It's more for husbandry. Like, let me check your body. Let me take your temperature. Let me look in your mouth, check your teeth, listen to your heart, mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, and they'll work for food They're, through operant conditioning or positive reinforcement training. They will do a whole bunch of um, behaviors. and. And I have several friends that are marine mammal trainers that just speak about how highly intelligent and fun sea lions and seals are to work with. But studies have even shown further than those anecdotal stories that sea lions can understand simple syntax in commands if they're taught artificial sign language and that sea lions can recognize relationships between stimulus and ronin a California sea lion in 2011 was seen and recorded bobbing its head to music, which Mm -hmm. is cute and funny for like YouTube videos. But from from a researcher's point of view, that's called like rhythmic entrainment. And it's only been seen in humans, right? Because we got rhythm. I know you got rhythm, Chris.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. In parrots, which we all yeah, we haven't yeah, covered okay. yet on
1: the podcast are definitely on the list. Yeah, uh, hopefully for 2020. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, and so it hasn't really been seen before. And here's Ronan just feeling the That's rhythm awesome. and bobbing his head to it. And so and then besides in zoos and aquariums, sea lions are trained by the United States Navy for certain military operations. And I think they're using other programs internationally as well because yeah. of the tactics that they can do to help. To help complete a mission. And
0: so... I, yeah. I remember, I think in the Gulf, they were using them in the Gulf. I remember reading a story about them. They were checking the, to see if any of the oil rigs were rigged with explosives. So they'd send the seals down. They'd inspect all the up and down and come back and report. Yeah. You know, like, and let them know. Like, hey, it's just amazing how intelligent they are.
1: Oh, yeah. It's and I think that's the stuff, other thing, yeah. too, is a lot a lot of times with animal intelligence, it's we're, us humans are limited to study it and understand it because of our own limitations and lack of funding and things like that. Not necessarily that the animals, you know, aren't smart or that. So I, th- I think with the California sea lions, the more we study them, the more we'll actually find out how just how intelligent they are. Yeah. But yeah. just, yeah, looking yeah. at overall at their, their behavioral actions and interactions, it's, they're definitely this, Awesome, playful, funny, like you said, animal. Probably a little more fun to watch than horses eating grass, even though that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, thanks. I'll watch you live. But the next no, time I, I come horses, visit though.
1: you in California, that's that's what we'll do
0: for sure. Yeah, La Jolla, La Jolla Cove. Just don't touch them. Don't mess with them. So what about some of the repro stuff? Like, you know, that was that was cute. To
1: yeah. Well, that's where some of the videos come in. And that's where there's going to be a lot of busy interaction, of course, pardon the pun. But... In general, with California sea lions, they're they're polygamous. And so they're gonna breed from May to August, depending on which part of the coast of North America they're on. And in general, California sea lions will return to the same beach or haul out site each year. So year after year, they have their favorite, their favorite spots. And males will get there first, claiming the territory. And the male California sea lion will spend about two weeks guarding his territory, claiming it. And while he's doing this, he is not foraging. So he's holding his fort down and living off of his blubber and fighting off other males. And they'll do this by, when I say fight, it's actually a little bit more ritualized. They'll do their vocalizations they'll head shake they'll stare at each other have you ever been in a stare off chris with another dominant male
0: that was the line god good
1: one uh, and they'll do my favorite bluff lunges so they're going to act like i'm going to get you but then i you know back up so it's not really it's not like bloody battles and it's quite obvious like the bigger male you know is going to be dominant and another one's going to back down and go find his own territory uh, and then the female will enter the stage when she hauls out, and I love it. It's kind of like up to her. She basically will sniff around, walk around, and look at the different males and respond to him. And in general, if he's too aggressive or energetic, she's like, get out of here, dude. Uh, and so, if but if it's somebody that she sees what she likes, then she'll actually start displaying submissive mm. postures to the male. Like, okay, I pick you. Um, And they'll breed like once during the season, the male and the female. But a male, because it's polygamous, he'll typically breed up to 16 females a season if he's lucky. And once they do breed, the female is pregnant for a very long time. It's a total about 11 to 12 months. But three months is delayed implantation, probably until she can start, you know, finding food again and it seems like yeah, a good, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good time for it's,
0: go back to ursa Day, them and bears right, right hey, there you go right we talked about this before mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and but then she'll actually be pregnant pregnant with the uh, the embryo growing into a fetus uh for nine months so nine plus three is about 11 to 12 and um, but what i found super fascinating chris is that the inner birth interval is about 21 days, which reminded me once again of my favorite, one of my favorite species.
0: <laughs> the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The it's horse. Way better than me. Thanks, <laughs> you thanks. Win. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, win. <laughs> you yeah.
1: not, not much competition, right? I, I, I yeah, do that. I, do, no, no, I, I no. do it for a living, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah. So when you have a gestation period of like 11 to 12 months, but you want to produce a pup every year or a full every year, these poor ladies, that means she gives birth and then she's bred 21 days later. Yikes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very quick turnaround where she'll come into estrus and then she gets bred again. So it's quite fascinating, but that's but that's the way that California sea lions have been designed. So theoretically, um, a female can produce a pup every year. And the pups are born with this really light brown coat that's super, super cute. And when they're about four to five months old, they will shed or molt it to get their adult fur growing in. But what's really interesting to me, and definitely different than a horse, is females really only remain with their pups on shore, nursing them for 10 days.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, well, that's it.
1: Well, they lactate a lot longer than that, but after 10 days, I guess the pup is like considered a teenager or something because the female will go on long foraging trips lasting up to three days, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. She needs food and she needs to get energy in order to to lactate and then also to be bred again, like right around the corner. So she does return and she'll nurse and that's where she finds them and nurses them and socializes with them and plays with her pups. Uh, and finds the pup by using all those distinctive contact calls. and But when she leaves the pup there, there's like safeties and numbers in the rookery because all yeah. the pups are left there, right? So they kind of just hang yeah. out with each other, I guess. And But the lactation period overall does last up to six months. So she'll keep going out okay. to the ocean for a couple of days and coming back. That pattern will last um, from six months to even a year, depending on the individual. Okay. But as the pup is Growing bigger and older and more independent, they'll sometimes start to join their mother on foraging trips. Right where, as a predator, I'm, she'll she'll teach them probably some of her some of her skill sets. And there's studies out there that the although they're weaned up uh, up to a year, they might even find their mother and continue to like mock suckle for up to another year. So yeah. they they really have that bond of being able to locate one another through smell yeah, and vocalization. Yeah. I saw it.
0: I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah.
1: And then what's also really cute is that there are reports of California sea lions sometimes adopting and fostering a pup that's been abandoned. Oh wow. Yeah. They're, they're cool. They're amazing. <laughs> they are. They're, they're all right, they're La Jolla. Awesome. Here I come. <laughs>
0: I know. Well, you you were there. You were there. You were close. Yeah, were but I didn't. Close. I
1: wasn't. I didn't have my binoculars, and I didn't have no, my no. ethogram. So
0: I mean, no, they're literally ten feet, fifteen feet from you. You just, you know, and I'd watch other people, and it, it kind of a couple of people were like trying to mess with them, and other people yelled at them, mm-hmm. like "Don't do that." So policing them, themselves, but it, it, it's unfortunate people try to interact with wildlife, which is a no no. But you stand back at a distance, you sit and you just watch and listen and observe and you know, they come walking by and you just, you know, take your step. step yeah. back and let them have the have the right away and it was amazing. It was amazing. And then, you know, California sea lions are doing well, right? You said the Marine yeah. Mammal Protection Act in nineteen seventy five was really helped them. I mean, there are challenges, we've talked about them, but they're least concerned right now, which is good. It's a good hopeful story, absolutely. Yeah, so it's got to you know keep keep our eyes on them and, and make sure they're they're good. Now we did conservation tips earlier, which is good. And Angie's going to let me do the organization this week, so I'm going to dedicate it to the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, who I had a wonderful interview with Dr. Hendrik Nolens, uh, a staff veterinarian that is actually working day in day out being a wildlife hero. Saving and Rescuing Seals and Sea Lions off the California coast. An amazing organization. You're going to learn more about them in the upcoming interview. They're located in Laguna Beach, California. Now, I know there's another marine mammal center up in San Francisco that also deals with sea lions and seals there. They do rescue elephant seals, too, by the way, the northerns. Mm -hmm. So they they do. Uh, Hundreds of them. They rescue hundreds of animals each year. We talk about in the interview some of the challenges, uh, how these animals are injured, how they're rehabilitated and then released, which is the big thing. I'm looking at their website right now. There's a video of a release of three. I mean, I want to cry. It's so beautiful to watch these animals jump back out into their their natural habitat. You can visit their website at pacificmmc.org. And, you know, check them out. And if you're in Southern California, once this pandemic is over, please go by, see what they do. Uh, it's just right there in Laguna Beach. It's, it's it's beautiful, amazing stuff. So I love these people, Angie. I love the organizations we cover. It just, it gives me such a warm and fuzzy. You know, anytime I feel like, oh, I got a podcast coming up, I better <laughs> kick it into high gear and I feel a little like, uh rarely i mean honestly but we we do we're human i think of them i think of the heroes out there i think of like especially corals that was challenging sure and i was like we have to fight for corals so i just oh my I gosh yeah yeah start taking my notes start reading studies start you know researching this stuff spending the hours that we do for each podcast and it's worth it because of people like, you know, Dr. Nolans, who's out there doing this every day.
1: Well, and it's really funny, the evolution of, for me personally, as far as doing research. I always started very, as a scientist and somewhat type A, is like, I'll me start with description and habitat and, you yeah, know, yeah. what do they eat? I actually start looking for conservation heroes and organizations, zoo uh, breeding and mm-hmm. research programs at the beginning now, Chris because what oh, it, yeah what it does is it really like pumps me up it looks for an organization that we might want to talk more to first of all and then just just knowing that there's people out there fighting for their guys giving uh, giving their lives dedicating their lives to fighting for these animals and so it's always like wow okay at least i can do is like i know some education there's stuff very- right like yeah i know so, but yeah, no. Thank yeah. you to to all the groups, and the interview is going to be awesome. Mm. So check that out with uh, with yep. Chris and the and the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, and I hope to go check it out too when um, everything goes back to the new normal.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Well, stay tuned. We've got some slew of interviews coming, and then we'll be back soon with another species. I think we're going to land. We're coming back to land, mm-hmm. coming back to shore. Yes. We've got some plans. Yes. So, so stay tuned for that. Arr, 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 arr. You win, hands down. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.